I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. This week... Padre Greedy talks to Paul Ewing, the creator of Francis Plug, writer-in-residence. Welcome to the Latums. Um, it's Padraig Reedy this week, rather than um, Neil, you may have noticed a different voice. Uh, and joining me this week is Paul Ewan. Paul Ewan is the author of London Pub Reviews, How to Be a Public Author, and most recently, Francis Plug, Writer-in-Residence, which we'll be talking about today. Good afternoon, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. So, tell us about Francis Plug. Where does, where does he come from? Well, it's interesting you mentioned London Pub Reviews because I think he came about through that character. Um, mm-hmm. London Pub Reviews is a, a collection of short stories. Basically, the the same narrator goes through them all, and then he is um, a pub reviewer reviewing real London pubs, except he basically gets thrown out of all of them. Um, he was kind of a nameless person, and from him I think we, we got uh, Francis Plug kind of mm-hmm. um, evolved out of him, really. So... Francis' character, he is yeah, he's an aspiring writer, essentially. I think we probably got back to, to you know, Genesis from, from pub reviews, which is you know, little sketches, essentially. And then, so how to be a public author? He, like, how does he emerge into this world of, of literature? Well, yes, he, he wants to be a, a public author, or he wants to be an author, but he, he's a bit of a social wipeout. So his main concern with being an author is, is all the publicity side of it that you have mm-hmm. to do these days um, in terms of events and book signings and all that stuff um, interviews so he thinks probably the best way to learn how to be a public author is to attend the events of Booker Prize winners so the first Francis Plug book How to Be a Public Author is him going around all the events of Booker Prize winners getting their book signed to him and learning as he goes about how it feels to be a, a public author in the public glare and then the next book the latest book writer in residence he has become an author himself and how to be a public author is his first book so he's now he is a published author but he's still a social wipeout <laughs> <laughs> so going back we're, we're, i'm kind of trying to build the chronology i suppose of francis okay. so how to be a public author i mean this i mean for i suppose for me personally i think for a lot of people it's kind of extraordinarily Real, because of course it is real. I mean, you went to a lot of these events yeah. and encountered a lot of these people, if not all these people, I was in cast. Yeah, no, it, it, it's all very much based on real events. Um, all, all the events in the book are real. Each chapter opens with a signed title page from the Booker Prize winner to 
Francis Plug, mm-hmm. which is what I did in real life. I went around all these author events and got them, the authors, to sign their books to Francis Plug. So they're, they're, it's all based on, on truths. Obviously, it's embellished slightly with some of the conversations that Francis has with those authors. But yes, it's, it is very much based on, on actual events. And I mean, there's some great, there's some great lines, and I, I, I love the line. Um, the, the one that keeps coming back to me is what the, when France is at the Booker Prize and how to be a public author, and he mentioned he speaks to Ali Catton for Eleanor Catton for five seconds, and then five, ten seconds later, he says, "Well, I'm not sure if I'll stay. I don't know anybody here, but apart from Eleanor Catton, yeah. so I think there's a." It's kind of he, the entry into this world he's kind of looking for. It. What draws him? I mean, if we decide, if we say he said he wants to be a public author, but I guess, I guess why? I think ultimately he wants to be an author, but he wants to, he's just conscious that to be an author these days is not about just sitting in a room by yourself and writing. You need to hone the skills of the public um, side of business because the fact is these days the marketing departments in the pub- publishing world are, are very um, uh, strong and really pushing the authors to go out there and to have social media accounts and to be in the public glare and stuff. Mm. So that's, it's kind of a commentary on that and, and Francis is not equipped at all to deal with that. So that's why he's kind of going to those author events because he wants to get a bit of a step up on how to do that side of the business, I suppose. And added that, of course, is um, yeah, running through lyric is, well, alcohol, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, he does have a drinking problem and it's not particularly helped by the the free drinks he gets at a lot of these author events, mm-hmm. um, which he kind of takes advantage of, I suppose. But at the same time, it kind of gives him a confidence that he needs. But also it, it helps, I think, kind of blur the lines between what is the real world and what is the fictionalised world. I mean, as Francis is going to these events, he's also reading the books of the Booker Prize winners. And in his kind of inebriated state, he's blurring what he's reading with the real life of the events and stuff so a lot of the book there are bits that just seem to sound a bit surreal but it's actually passages from those books he's reading which Mm -hmm. he uh, he is merging with the real world that he's in so um alcohol plays a part in that and it also i guess just reflects someone who's struggling who's on the outside of the norm and i guess the um appropriate standards of the literary world he's it makes him a bit more haphazard and a bit reckless and i guess highlights the fact that he doesn't fit in even more yeah he's in no way connected at all that he has no into this world apart from going to these events and i guess also his you know it turns out his his boss who collects booker prize first editions is on the sponsor board so we end up at the end of the first book out of how to be a public author you know francis is you know halfway up the wall at the guild hall trying to escape security cards and we leave him in this you know limbo and we come to the start of writer in residence and he is a published author Hmm. how did he get there um well i guess i mean he, he has got a very interesting story and the way he's collected all these kind of anecdotes from all his his various events makes quite interesting reading um, put together, but yes, he's picked up not by a big publishing company, but by a small press who is actually Galley Bigger Press, mm-hmm. which is my own publisher who published um, How to Be a Public Author and the new book Writer in Residence. But even though he is a published author and he's getting interviewed on Radio Four and he's getting reviewed in the Sunday Times, he's still living in a garage because if you're a 
uh, a small press author or any author that's not a bestseller, um, you're not um, rolling in the money these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he also has a drinking problem which um, soaks up a lot of his money. So he's been interviewed on Radio 4, but he's living in the garage. But he has very supportive um, publishers and they put him forward for this inaugural writer-in-residency at the University of Greenwich. And because he's... He can say that he's talked to all these Booker Prize winners. He kind of blags his way into that position. And I was actually writer in residence at the <laughs> University of Greenwich myself. So um, so I've used that time and position to put Francis there as well. And uh, various real characters come to life from the university in this book as well. But... Um, even though he's a published author, I think the point is he hasn't made it by any stretch and he still struggles being a, a public author, whether that is as an academic in the university or doing his various social events. So um, the story continues. So as you mentioned, I mean, there is you know a lot of overlap with what happened in your own life since the publication of How to Be a Public Author. So you, know, you do you went to Greenwich as a writer in residence. And um, what does that involve for you personally, I guess, rather, rather than for, for Francis or how similar was it to what Francis had to do? Um, a, lo- a lot of what I did kind of pops up in writer in residence. Because I was the inaugural writer in residence there, the position itself wasn't very tight in terms of, you know, what my duties were, but... The majority of the task was to write a significant piece of work mm-hmm. at the university, so um, that was very useful for me to um, to base my book at the university itself. But I also I did some teaching of, with the creative writing students, mm-hmm. and actually I'm going back next week to teach again a new batch of students there. But also, yeah, the various public sides of the job. One of the main things also was they also had their inaugural book festival and that becomes quite a crucial part of the writer in residence because francis is asked to bring some of his famous author mates um <laughs> and invite some of his famous author mates to the festival because he's told the university how well connected mm-hmm. he is and then that becomes a, a bit of a struggle for him to actually try and write some of these famous authors in and an ongoing strand of the book is is him approaching famous authors in real life and trying to get them to come to the first um, Greenwich Book Festival. How <laughs> well did you do in real life with that? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, mm. um, it, it's quite interesting. There's, there's oh, without giving away too much of mm-hmm. of the book, but one of the authors I did approach ends up being who Francis ends up uh, having as a, a guest mm-hmm. at the Greenwich Book Festival himself, but um, a lot of them weren't actually approached. But he, he was also reading up on campus novels while he mm-hmm. was there to try and get up to speed with academic life on a university campus. So he meets a lot of the campus novel authors as well, and just to try and get some advice from them on how to survive on as a writer on a campus. So mm-hmm. that becomes part of it as well. So yeah, so there is, as we keep saying, there's a tremendous kind of overlap with real life, and of course there's an awful lot of real life people pop on but for example the the, the head of the department at, at Greenwich is is Alex Phoebe who's an old, also a galley beggar author yeah. and how much um, I guess writing like that I mean it's not it's not quite you know I think 
people talk a lot about autofiction lately. It's not quite autofiction, but it is very much directly using personal experience rather than abstracting personal experience. How does that affect your personal uh, kind of interactions with people or people's personal interactions with you? I mean, um, Alex is, uh, he runs the creative writing department there. And uh, Zoe Petit is the the overall head of department who's in charge of the whole operation, I guess. But they both basically approached me about potentialness of doing another a book there based on campus. So they they were kind of aware of that whole you know the sat- satire and mm-hmm. of the the previous book and and the potential for themselves to be involved in that and and others. I guess it's not something. I really think too much about it. It's, it's something that continues over from the first book in terms of just taking various parts of what I'm doing and, and bringing them to life in a fictional construct. You know, people like Alex and Zoe, they are included in the book, as are some of the other staff members, um, particularly at a Christmas party event for the department. And they, they were aware of what I was doing as I was writing the book there. So I guess occasionally I would get people saying, oh, don't include that in your book, sort of. I was kind of, I wasn't, I suppose, in any way led by people there or events. You know, I, I was very selective on what what I included and tried not to be a voyeur of what's going on there and more the focus was always on Francis himself and and his weird take on the real world of academia I suppose Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Listening to Little Atoms uh, with me, Paul Greedy, and this week I'm talking to Paul Ewan, uh, who's the author of Pope Francis Plug, Writer in Residence. So, Francis uh, has 
picked up this this residency at Greenwich, um, and he you know, quite literally goes goes into residence in the university um, because, as he puts it, trying to commute from his shed in West Hampstead to to Greenwich is a bit of a faff, really. Yes, I mean it was um, once he did the sums in terms of bus fares and time it was just not going to be very workable so um he kind of does it on this lie because it's not part of his agreement to um to live in residence at the university so he kind of ends up finding a spare room and camping down there and hiding really but um again it's another um aspect of his life where he's trying to make ends meet and stretch his money around his um his drinking i suppose mm. and why so why is that i think we mentioned you mentioned um yeah he's so he's running this literary festival there's he becomes increasingly desperate trying trying to pull in names while i think you know his you know, the people at the department seem to be remarkably patient <laughs> with, <laughs> with both his his attempts his increasingly desperate attempts to, to pull people in um which end up with writing to philip roth um <laughs> without being able to offer tickets to fly over. Um, but there's also, you know, an element of, um, you know, where he has to teach, as you said, you had to teach. He basically doesn't know where to start teaching, does he? No, I mean, um, he's very much um, at a loose end there. And, you know, originally he doesn't think he would have to teach because um, apparently you have to have a PhD, I think, to be a proper lecturer. And he thinks, oh, phew, I don't... I, I don't have one of those, but um, because he's brought in as a visiting lecturer, that doesn't apply to him as mm-hmm. a writer in residence. So he's suddenly faced with the prospect of teaching the students, and he really finds that difficult. And I guess to overcome his confidence issues, he turns to the bottle again, which just makes things worse, really. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up trying to use props. If I'm yes. <laughs> there's, there's very elaborate props which don't really help. <laughs> um, the book, I mean, there's been, you know, had great reviews in, 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 the, in the Guardian. I think there's a very straightforward kind of, and I think the spectator described it as basically almost the saviour of comic writing in this country. But there's there's a real undertow, I think, of loneliness to to Francis Plug. Yes, I think. I mean, he he finds himself very much on the outside of this world, like the literary world, and then I guess the academic world, but still from a literary point of view. Like, I guess it's about being a writer ultimately, which is a very lonely profession. Mm. You spend hours by yourself. You know, it, it's a very personal thing to write a book, and I guess. For me, the one of the starting points for the, the whole Francis Plug series was this jarring between someone who is a very shy, personal, lonely person and what is expected of authors these days in going on stage and doing interviews and book signings and sort of hitting the publicity circuit. And, I mean, I originally thought that's that's potentially a really good springboard for comedy, and I think it has been when you put those two worlds together it's there is a lot of comic stuff comes out of it but at the same time it is it's a fact of of being an author these days as well um as well as spending all that time by yourself if if you want to be successful you are urged to sell yourself as well and um push yourself and your book in public Mm -hmm. um so it is it's actually a genuine fact of life to do that so yes he is a very lonely person but i guess at the same time he he uses the books he reads and gets involved in those worlds so he's he's not altogether sad he's just struggling a bit to um 
deal with both worlds, I suppose. Mm. I think yeah. I think going right back to work in your work on London Publishers, I mean, and throughout the Francis plug, there's enormous imaginative leaps happening very quickly within the character. So there, there is that that conflict. As I guess for any writer of living with your imagination and at the same time having to engage with the everyday facts of trying to sell your imagination in some sense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's been an eye opener. You know, just seeing you know, there's a part in the first Francis plug book where um, Francis goes to the London Book Fair where authors are not invited at all generally. Mm. It's it's very much a place where book deals are made and, and agents talk with publishers and publishers talk with agents and they sell the works like commodities really. And I went to that um, when I was researching how to be a public author and the agents were all on this um, special level upstairs which you couldn't get to unless you had a pass, a special pass. And just as Francis does in the book, I I found a secret passage up some stairs <laughs> to access the, this um, agent area. And I was quite shocked just by all these meetings that were taking place about, you know, the books and, you know, these things that, you know, as a, an author or a reader, you're, you are in these imaginative worlds. But in the marketplace, it's, it's a very different world entirely so um yes there, there's that tension i suppose between you know the imaginative world of the author and the reader and and the book is something that needs to be sold in in order for the author and the publisher and everyone else to to make money so it's been it's been yeah interesting exploring all that as well and something i mean just again down that contrast of just with the almost Wizard of Oz, like <laughs> looking behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose there is. Was there a bit of a, a difficult second album kind of syndrome in that coming on to, to writing this book? I mean, there's certain people knew who you were. And I think you start off very early with this, and you know, Professor John Mullen keeps popping pop up. <laughs> as Professor John Mullen does keep popping up, but yeah, well, very early on, yeah, you know, there's there's an element of name recognition for your in your encounters with people, and a little bit, you know, obviously still, you know. Francis Plug is not this kind of you know, massive figure. He's not the kind of person who can get Philip Ross to a, to a book festival, but, <laughs> but he is recognised. It's, it's a recognised thing. Again, this, was that something that you kind of encountered in real life when you were researching the second book? It was. I guess the first book is all Booker Prize winners. The second book is much more general and... I mean, there is a kind of a focus on campus novelists, mm-hmm. but there's also other people who make random appearances. There's some musicians and stuff there's more international novelists yeah. i suppose american novelists and stuff but there there were times when i did meet authors who who knew who francis Pug was <laughs> which i didn't encounter in the first book there's one author whose chapter actually got cut only because of time reasons but um he was all over it. Um, he was like, Francis Plug, oh, you're Francis Plug, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was a... In, in a good way? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I think so. I mean, he, he still signed the book. Um, and and also, I mean, I have I started collecting signatures to Francis Plug a good deal before the first book came out, actually. Mm. So there are actually authors in there who I got before the first book even came out, some of who have died since um, a number of... A number of who have actually, so that although they are genuine conversations that I've had with them and, and Francis has taken on, the time difference is, is not in connecting with the first book in, in some ways. So, for instance, Sadie Smith is, is one of the authors who appears in the new book, but she that 
conversation I had with her was actually before the first book even came around, mm. before I had this focus on Booker Prize winners. So there are some people like that who I was fortunate enough to get early before Francis Plug's name kind of came out in print at all. So so far I've I've been kind of fortunate. I have started writing a third book, which is going to be the th- final Francis Plug book, but it's actually oh. takes a slightly different turn which is partially because of the fact that he's starting to get a bit too recognised in the literary world, so um, mm. hopefully that will um, work. <laughs> <laughs> I should point out before I forget that you did, of course, Francis does turn up in this book at an event that was organised by Little Atoms. Oh, yes. Yeah, at Waterstones, the with Mervyn Morris. Oh, right. Okay. Which yeah, was... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, was... The, um, Linton Queasy Johnson. Linton Queasy yeah, Johnson, yeah, yes. Yeah. That, that, that was the Little Atoms, the, the Writer of the World Festival that we did with... Ah, oh, right. ...with Waterstones, so that was... Um, yeah, terrifying <laughs> to, to, to turn up the page and find that. Yeah, well, Linton Queasy Johnson is actually, um, he's a long-time hero of mine because mm. I, I, in New Zealand, I did a, um, a dub show on student radio. Um, so I got engaged with Linton Queasy Johnson on a music level quite early on. Um, and he actually has a um, he has a small guest appearance in the first book as well, How to Be a Public Author, yeah. um, at the James Kelman event. So it was a great honour to um, include him in this book as well. He's mm-hmm. um, He's been a hero of mine for many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to ask a couple more questions, then I'm going to read from the book. In Sally Rooney's um, new book, I don't know if you've read it, but there, there, there's a long rant. Or no, rant is wrong. Maybe yeah, it is the right word <laughs> about about the very idea of the of the literary event, and you know why do people go to these things? And you know, who goes to these things apart from people who want to be seen at literary events? Yeah. And for you, is, is is that true, or is, is there is there a value in the the literary event? Yeah, for for someone like France, or, or just for the average reader, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, I I did get some great advice as an author on writing from these events. Often, the authors are talking about the writing process for them, and one thing's for sure, it's it's not consistent. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. got their own approach. So, you know, I think although they tend to be pushing a new book, you know, if the interview is any good, they usually get some good information out of the authors as well in terms of how they work and um so if you're if you're interested in the writing process that they can be interesting but at the same time i i suppose they're also they demystify the the works themselves in many ways and and there was sometimes like john mullen runs the um guardian book club Mm-hmm. And he always says at the start of those events, you know, the assumption being that you've read the book because yep. there's going to be spoilers about the ending and everything. And sometimes I think you you can know too much about a book, obviously if you haven't read it yourself, but even if you have, I think your, your takeout is, is going to be a personal takeout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there is this um, sense that authors have got caught up in the whole celebrity circus as well and it's not enough to read their books you need to have this closeness or you know star struckness with the author and themselves and Paul Ewan thanks very much uh, I know you're going to read from your um, book now so let's tell us what's happening in this scene okay so um, in this scene Francis has been invited to a Christmas um, author event at Waterstones Piccadilly which is when they get lots of authors and they sit at tables and sign books yeah. 
for the public for Christmas presents, I suppose. So when he first arrives, there is the snowman from Raymond Briggs' um, book, The, the Snowman. There's a, a person walking around in a costume of, that, of the snowman walking around. And then while... Francis is signing books. He's drinking a fair bit, I suppose, because the um, drinks are free. So we pick this up kind of later in the evening. A bit later, unable to find the loose, I wander through a door marked staff only. Inside is a storeroom of sorts, with a toilet leading off to one side. Resting on the toilet, I nod off. When I awaken, the lights have all been switched off, leaving me completely disorientated. Finding a switch outside the toilet... I'm able to recognise the door back to the bookshop. Approaching it, I'm startled to see the snowman standing very close by, alongside a side wall. Although unmelted, he is clearly lifeless. A mere costume, suspended from a hanger. Retrieving him, I put him on. The bookshop is in darkness too. Wandering about inside the oversized costume, I try and think how a snowman might behave. They're quite boring when you think about it. Although Raymond Briggs made his one sneeze and drive a motorbike and fly, but I want to claw people, so I growl and bellow, pretending to be a polar bear instead. There aren't any people to claw or chase. Not a soul. The shop, it seems, is deserted. Even the doors to the street, as I discover, are firmly locked. I'm stuck inside Waterstone's Piccadilly for the night. Polar bear. Ha ha! It's brilliant, of course. Much warmer than my chilly old garage. There's carpet for one thing, and I'm wrapped in thick, snuggly layers of polar bear hide. After finding some stray red wine bottles in the basement level, I remember that Waterstone's Piccadilly has its own bar, up on the fifth floor. Off I go, like a polar bear searching for seals around the ice flows before they melt. But I'm also a magical snowman flying in the air, Francis screaming in falsetto I'm flying in the air <laughs> then the next chapter starts a day or so after my Christmas event there's a call from Ali who's his publisher she's just got off the phone to Waterstones the good news she says is that I'm currently a hit on social media author locked in Waterstones Piccadilly overnight drinks his way through Ali they're now thinking of having an official public sleepover in store Unfortunately, the snowman is in a right state. When discovered, with myself inside, he was spread-eagled on his back, his white chest riddled with red wine splotches. It looked like a drive-by shooting. A photo of this was circulating online also. Ali. We haven't actually been asked to pay for the costume yet, or the carpet stains, or the drinks, or the broken glasses. Francis. Ah. Ali. We'll just hold our breath and see. But the other reason I'm calling... The University of Greenwich has appointed me as their writer-in-residence. I'm in shock. Paul Yoon, thank you very much. And Francis Plug, writer-in-residence is available now. Thank you. This episode of Little Atoms was produced and presented by me, Neil Denny, and was first broadcast on Resonance 104.4 FM. Little Atoms is supported by 89Up, and the podcast is hosted by Acast. Find us on iTunes, and if you like the show, please do leave us a review. You can find old interviews, new journalism and more on our website, littleatoms.com. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 